0: Is Trump to the GOP like a parasitic wasp to a caterpillar? Last night's Republican debate wasn't encouraging. Trump's hold on the GOP appears stronger than ever. In Robert Hubble's excellent Today's Edition newsletter on Substack, he made the point yesterday that Trump's relationship to the GOP is like that of one of those parasitic wasps that puts an egg into a caterpillar or a spider, and when the wasp larvae hatches, it eats its host, leaving behind only a husk. I'd take the metaphor a step farther. There's a fungus, Cordyceps, that infects ants and seizes control of their brains to alter their behavior to the fungus's advantage. Another example is the Toxoplasma parasite that's often spread by cats. When mice are infected with a parasite, they no longer fear the smell of cats and sometimes even want to play with them, thus becoming easy prey. Scientists call it fatal attraction. What Trump has done to the GOP is really quite impressive, worthy of either Cordyceps or Toxoplasma. And frankly, it's amazing that they didn't even see it coming or try to stop him. More on that in a moment. A registered Democrat and donor to the Democratic Party his entire life, Trump appropriated much of Bernie Sanders' platform in 2016 to ingratiate himself with working-class Americans. He promised universal health care cheaper than Obamacare, taxes so high on the morbidly rich that my friends won't speak to me. He said he would bring America's factories back home from overseas and pledged to strengthen and expand Social Security and Medicare. All, it turns out, were lies, although most in his base believe to this day that he did or nearly did all those things. Having used Bernie's policy positions and a healthy dose of dog-whistle racism, essential for the Republican base, to win office in 2016, he proceeded to step into, take over, and then, like cordyceps or toxoplasma, alter top to bottom the behavior of the GOP. Trump's no idiot. He saw how the GOP was weakened, first by the Nixon scandals, then by Reagan's neoliberalism that gutted the middle class, then by Bush and Cheney lying us into two unnecessary and illegal wars. The party was in a state of crisis when the nation elected our country's first black president, which gave Trump his opening. Fifty years earlier, Nixon had injected the first egg of racism and white supremacy into the GOP with his silent majority and war on drugs. The former was an explicit shout-out to white racists abandoned by the Democrats in 1964-1965 when LBJ pushed through and signed the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Acts, the latter an explicit technique to disrupt the civil rights and anti-war movements. Abandoning all subtlety, Nixon called it his Southern strategy. A decade later, Reagan pulled Southern racists even deeper into the GOP by kicking off his 1980 election campaign with a speech about states' rights to an all-white audience at an obscure Mississippi County fair near the site where three civil rights workers were brutally slaughtered in June of 1964. While most Americans and all major American newspapers and TV networks missed the significance of the event, Southerners heard the whistle loud and clear. Reagan amplified it with his welfare queen comments and his sympathy for white people offended by a strapping young buck using food stamps to buy a T-bone steak while you are waiting in line to buy a hamburger. With the ground laid by Nixon and Reagan, that singular event of Obama's presidency gave Trump the lever he needed to inject the larvae of his sociopathy into the moribund GOP. He began with his claim that Obama wasn't even a U.S. citizen but had been born in Kenya, as clear a reverence to race as his assertion earlier this week that the black prosecutor Fonnie Willis and black judge Tanya Chutkin are both riggers. But Trump was only able to finally take over the GOP in 2016 because a group of corrupt politicians and right-wing billionaires got there first, setting up the party's faithful to believe absurd lies and step into alternate realities. It started with Nixon claiming he had a secret plan to end the Vietnam War, when, in fact, he'd reached out to the Vietnamese and scuttled an actual peace treaty that LBJ had negotiated in the summer of 1968. When President Johnson called Republican Senator Everett Dirksen to tell him about it just days before the election, Dirksen accused Nixon of treason. Reagan then convinced American, America's Republican voters that if they just cut taxes on the morbidly rich, prosperity would trickle down to average middle-class people because it would unleash the job creators. His cutting the top tax bracket from 74% to 27% unleashed them all right. It unleashed them to buy thousands of politicians, along with more radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, yachts, mansions, and even to build their own spaceships. Reagan told Republicans if they stopped enforcing the antitrust laws that Republicans had fought for in the 1890s and Republican presidents Teddy Roosevelt and Robert Taft had used, prices would drop and America's small towns would prosper. Instead, the average American family pays $5,000 a year more than citizens of countries that still enforce their anti-monopoly laws, and small-town America has been gutted with literally millions of local retailers and small employers put out of business by big-box stores. Reagan sold Republicans and a few Democrats on the idea that free trade would lower costs for Americans, and to some extent it did. Our stores were quickly filled with cheap disposable junk, but the price we paid was 50,000-plus factories and over 16 million good-paying union jobs moving to Asia and Mexico. Reagan promised us if we just follow Milton Friedman's advice when he was secretly being paid off by the real estate lobby and end rent controls, cut home mortgage subsidies like those through the FHA and VA, and throw our housing markets open to unrestrained speculation and both corporate and foreign ownership, every American could live the American dream. Instead, foreign investors and massive hedge funds won by Wall Street billionaires are buying up America's housing stock and turning it into rental properties both exploding the price of houses and rents. The clear and measurable result is an epidemic of homelessness in tent cities. Reagan promised us if we just end the oppressive regulations designed to keep our food supply safe, our drugs affordable, clean up our air and water, and protect our children from death by firearms, the magic of the free market would provide all those things in spades. Instead, our food supply is filled with chemicals, microplastics, and heavily processed faux foods that have produced two generations of obesity and related metabolic disorders in children, along with an explosion of cancer, birth defects, and other once-rare diseases. Reagan promised us if we'd just stop funding public schools and stop teaching civics and instead direct that money to private, for-profit, or church-run voucher and charter schools, it would grow the levels of literacy, civic engagement, and healthy political dialogue. Instead, about half of all American adults can't read a book written at an eighth grade level, according to the US Department of Education and the National Institutes of Literacy. Only 39% of Americans can name all three branches of government, leaving our gover- leaving our nation vulnerable to racist white nationalists and fascists wanting to transform the democratic experiment our founders began with our American Republic. The next Republican president, George W. Bush, nakedly lied to America about the threat presented by Saddam Hussein in Iraq to justify a war that cost our nation dearly in both blood and treasure, just enriching the fail- failing Halliburton, former CEO Dick Cheney, and other oil companies in Bush and Cheney's orbit. Bush also pushed through a plan to cure clear-cut forests he called the Healthy Forests Initiative, and a plan to deregulate pollution controls he called the Clear Skies Legislation. By 2010, Republican voters were primed to believe pretty much anything party of politicians told them. That was the year the billionaires got really busy uh, taking control of the party's base. They started by funding the Tea Party, theoretically a response to President Obama's effort to provide affordable health care for all Americans. tricornered cornered hats and bizarre signs saying things like, Keep your government hands off my Medicare. Popped up all over America as the billionaires' astroturf movement rented high-end buses to bring gullible retired boomers to stage staged media events across the nation. That morphed into the freedom agenda, branding everything in sight with the word, from trashing queer people to calls for more tax cuts for billionaires, intimidation of teachers and librarians, massive red state by red state voter purges, legalizing open carry of assault weapons, criminalizing abortion, and a campaign to end the teaching of Black history. Freedom has spread across the GOP. This week, we even learned that the billionaire-funded Freedom Caucus in the House intends to try to crash the U.S. economy just in time for the election, knowing Biden will get the blame by refusing to fund the government for the 2024 fiscal year. Republicans have taken their freedom agenda to such extremes that they're actively suppressing dissent to promote it. When a group of moms of children who died or barely survived a mass shooting at the Covenant Elementary School wanted to testify before the Tennessee General Assembly, they were escorted out by state police, the Republican leader, Representative Lowell Russell, had called. In today's GOP, fully in the thrall of Donald Trump and his authoritarianism, dissent is not allowed. Just ask Justin Amash or Liz Cheney. Trump has done his work, and the Republican Party is no longer a legitimate political party. Like a cat with a toxoplasma-infected mouse, he's eaten the party whole. It has no platform, no moral compass, and no loyalty to the Constitution or America's historic ideals. Instead, it does whatever the billionaires who own it tell it to do, with the authority given them by five Republicans on the Supreme Court who legalize political bribery in Citizens United. This grift started by Richard Nixon's treason and lies and exploited over the years by the morbidly rich has now so completely absorbed the party that it's hard to see it returning to the conservative but willing to compromise entity it was during the Eisenhower presidency. Hell, most Republican voters today don't even remember Eisenhower, much less venerate him. As the esteemed Republican activist and constitutional scholar J. Michael Ludic told CNN a few weeks ago, quote, a political party is a collection and assemblage of individuals who share a set of beliefs and principles and policy views about the United States of America. Today, there is no such shared set of beliefs and values and principles, or even policy views, within the Republic, as within the Republican Party for America. Mourning the loss of the party he was once proud to be part of, Ludig added, American democracy simply does, cannot function without two equally healthy and equally strong political parties. So today, in my view, there is no Republican Party to counter the Democratic Party in the country. And for that reason, American democracy is in grave peril. A return to some semblance of normalcy in the GOP is essential to restoring a normal functioning government to our nation, as Ludic points out. Odds are, however, it's first going to take a widespread destruction of that party, provoked by huge Democratic wins in 2024 to come about. And given the bizarre spectacle we witnessed in In the Republican presidential debate, that can't come soon enough.